I hope you'll get out your life point outlines as, as is our custom. Uh, it's what we do. And uh, I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to read the first eight verses and then share um, God's word with you this morning. His word for today, I believe. Uh, we're in this series, Finishing Well. And we're going to look at this morning what God's saying to us about preaching the word. It's all about us keeping our focus the only thing that is changing is who is at the helm, who is leading here. Um, but everything else is staying the same. Our commission is still the same. Our assignment is still the same. Uh, and we keep that going. All right. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they would accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am ready, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all, to all who have loved his appearing. I want to say welcome to all of you that are here. I know there are some, uh, just some neat people in the service today that have just blessed me. Uh, many of them traveling a lot of miles to come and to be here. Uh, those like Billy Jack and his beloved being here. He's pastoring down the, the street here. Super excited for him and uh, looking forward to see what God's going to do in him in, in the days ahead. So many of you, uh, it's just been a joy and a pleasure for Catherine and I both to, uh, to see you and to have you take time, uh, many of you to come back. Uh, and be here with us. So thank you for making it special. You know, today is a big day um, for those of you who call Harmony, Ho Harmony Hill home, for Catherine and me, and for Todd and Jennifer. And as I step away from serving you as, as senior pastor, um, and Todd um, takes officially to assume the role as lead pastor it's just really uh, meaningful that you would be here to be a part of what the Lord is going to do. You know, preachers, sometimes it's been said, tease about having a last sermon file. That's a sermon file that they've accumulated through the years, things that they wanted to get off their chest, but just didn't have the courage to do it. <laughs> and so they just kind of let it mount up. You know, it's in a file, and then, you know, then they have that big salvo at the end, you know, things I wanted to say, but didn't. And so the first truth in your outline, if you'll notice, 
is I have never started a last sermon file. And this morning, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, for a man that is, um, that is flawed, I hold no grudges against anyone. Um, and I pray for those that I have offended throughout the years, those that maybe I have neglected or you felt neglected in ministry, um, I want to say that I hope you'll forgive me. My humanity showed through at times. Um, we all have feet of clay. And um, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I've enjoyed and have treasured the 50 years that God has given me here on the hill. For Catherine and I both, serving you by first of all serving him has been our joy. We're very grateful for the friends that we've made. And I'm grateful for the 50 years that the Lord planted us here. And I, you know, I wonder, Catherine and I talked about this. I just wonder this morning if there are any of you or any of you here that you heard me preach maybe my first message here on the hill. Or maybe you were here when I accepted the call um, as pastor here at Harmony Hill. Would you stand? Anybody here? All right, Mr. Havard, I see you. There they are, going up. All right, all over. Yeah. All of these were children when, uh, <laughs> when I preached that. So, yeah, one of them back there, one of those Havard boys was a little baby laying on the front row of the, of the pew up here on the hill in the old, old cemetery, uh, cemetery sanctuary. <laughs> So uh, it's just good to see the fine man that he has become. You know, I honestly believe, uh, and you pardon me, I'm going to have to hold up my notes to get through all this. I honestly believe that no pastor and wife has ever been honored as graciously um, any more than Catherine and I have by the incredible staff that serves with me and by you, the church family here on the Hill. It has literally been five months of celebration um, over which God uh, and all about what God has done this last half century. It's, it's challenging too sometimes to say half century and my name in the same sentence. But <laughs> the Saturday night 50-year celebration in October and the Sunday worship at the Civic Center was exceptional. It was soul-stirring and it was God-honoring. And I will never be able to say thank you enough to all of you who led in that. Your, your love offering to Catherine and I, wow. Um, the cards, I never get tired of them. Um, I love seeing an envelope with a stamp on it. I'm just, you know, coming in. That's just really good. But thank you for those cards. The Sunday message that was brought by the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention Executive Director, Nathan Lorick was exceptional that day. I will always cherish the Legacy Leadership Award, award that our uh, Baptist Convention gave me, and Dr. Lurick's uh, fantastic gift. He gave me this genuine handwritten sermon note page by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It is a keeper, um, and it will hang in an obvious place in my office. Um, and so here's an insight I want to put in your outline, and it's this. I think 
Catherine and I would both say this morning that we're sad, but we're not unhappy. We're sad, but we're not unhappy. And with that said, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want to, by God's grace, just finish the message that was started, the series of finishing well. It's been on Hebrews chapter 11, it's where I started from, where the writer admonishes every believer. And this is what he says. He said, run the race that God has set before you. And remember I said, there's so many of God's children that never finish their race. They don't finish the race that God assigned to them when he called them, when they came to faith in Christ and the Lord began working his plan in their life. And somewhere along the way, they get sidetracked. Um, they walk off the track, whether through discouragement uh, or disgrace um, or being disgruntled or it just gets long and hard and they just don't feel like they can keep on doing it. And so many of God's kids walk off the race. And he says, run the race God has set for you. And then he says, don't get disqualified. So what does that mean? It means don't, you and I, God says, don't lose your ability to influence because of your life choices. That's when we're disqualified. That nobody will listen to us talk about Jesus because of the life that we live. Let's run the race. Would you say amen? amen. Run the race. And then he says, don't quit. Don't quit because of discouragement. Don't quit the race God put you in because life got hard. Don't quit the race God has put you in because you didn't realize it's a marathon. And it is day after day and hour after hour. But it's what God has called us to. And the thing is, everything that, that God assigns to me this race that I'm supposed to run is doing a work that God has assigned to us. We can't always see what our life is doing, how it is affecting people. But God says, I've got you planted in this generation for this time because this is your hour. This is what I've assigned to you. And if you do what I want you to do, you will make an impact for the kingdom. This is the final chapter of 2 Timothy. And Paul states Timothy's race challenge. And here's what he says. He says, Timothy, preach the word. In season, out. Preach the word. That is what people need to hear. Uh, that's what is drawing people, is the word. That's what the Holy Spirit draws them to. There are three admonitions I want to give you this morning. And number one, Paul is saying, Timothy, remember what we do in the church echoes in eternity. What we do in the church echoes in eternity. 2 Timothy 4.1 I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. So he says, Timothy, I charge you. This is my charge. Preach the word. Preach the word especially in light of the coming judgment. We can never forget there is a judgment coming. The world doesn't think about it. It has to consume us. That is what motivates us. That's what makes us look around when we're at the gym or when we're in stores or when we're traveling. That is the thing that stays on our mind day in and day out. What? That there is a judgment coming and men are blinded and don't understand what's ahead. 
And so those of us who do are to faithfully do one thing. The only thing that matters, the only thing that will touch a cold heart, the only thing that will break through a blinded mind is preaching the word. And so Paul encourages Timothy and you and me. This is what he says. He says, John, don't ever stop thinking long term. I want you to live your life with eternity in view. Every day you get up, you are living with eternity in view. So mom and dad, you, I know that you urge your teens repeatedly, and I want to encourage you in this, when you, you encourage them to look beyond the immediate and see the long-term consequences, right? We want these kids to think ahead. The translation of that is that you're saying to them, look, if you're at a party and all the other kids are experimenting with drugs or whatever, you say no, even if it makes you unpopular. Why? Because the immediate thrill isn't worth a permanent addiction. You're always thinking about the future. You're always thinking, where is this going to lead us? That's what we're to do. Moms and dads, why is the church important to your family? This is what I've sought to get across for the last half century. Uh, And because the world tells your kids to live just for today. To do what you feel like doing because you don't know what the future holds. God puts a different spin on that. And God's spin is what the Bible says. Keep your focus on the finish line of your life. Think about how you want your life to end. Every day you aim to finish your life well. Don't you want your kids to finish well? Well, you put it in them. You put it in them day in and day out. It's about how you finish well. It's not as much how you start, but how you finish. And you need to finish well because you don't know what lies ahead. That's what God says. Finish well because you don't know what's coming. You don't know who's watching you and who could be led astray because they see you live that way. Or you need to be prepared because you don't know when you're going to leave this world. And it can come at any time. And so we always are thinking with eternity in view. And when we and our children stand before the God of all the earth, you know what? It's not going to matter how much money mom and dad made. It's not going to matter what was the level of our influence that our family enjoyed. It's not going to matter about the achievements that you and I racked up when our lives are over. And I stand, you and I stand before the, the eternal judge of the universe. The one, the one thing that's going to matter is, did you know and serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you keep the main thing, the main thing in your life? Were you a person of integrity? Did eternity have a lifetime grip on you? Did you love and support God's people and his church? Because that's what interests the Lord. Ephesians 3.21, to the Father be glory. Where? In the church. And what that means is not just in the church gathered, but in the church scattered. Bring glory to God in the church when you are scattered. That means when you're scattered every day at work or at play or in interaction with the world. That's what our Father is saying to us. That's what has gripped me for the last half century. I knew I was a weak man. I knew I was a man who had a, a tendency to sin. 
And the one thing that stayed on my mind day in and day out was that I would so live my life that I would not bring dishonor on you, the church. That I would not bring dishonor on the Lord. And that is what has kept me able to stay in this position. And I give all the glory to him. And I'm thankful for the prayers that you all prayed for me. So what does this verse mean? Just this, what we do in the church is important. We are bringing men and women and youth and kids to Christ. Week in and week out, we prepare people to face eternity with hope and forgiveness. That's what we do. Because so few are thinking about eternity. This is what we're about. The world doesn't understand why the church is so important to us. They don't get it. They don't understand the love that we have for each other, right? The communion that we feel here. What does it matter? What does it matter that a preacher retires from a church? What does that even matter? Men and women retire every day from business after 40 years. And what do they do? Give them a watch and a lunch. It's like turn in your keys, clean out your desk, right? We have had a hoopla for the last five months. And people might ask, what, what is that all about? Why have you guys done that? You know what the answer is? The answer, answer is because no institution has such long-term impact on people's lives like the church. The church just makes a difference. In the church, gathered or scattered, lives are dramatically transformed. And we get to see that. Marriages are begun and restarted. Friendships are forged. Families kept together and built up. Occupations are altered here. People change jobs. Why? Because of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I want to be obedient to God. People are given hope and comfort here. Eternity is determined here. And we see it every time somebody troubles the baptismal waters. Eternity's just been determined for someone. These things don't happen in a bar. This doesn't happen in a sports arena or in the local school. You know, centuries ago, people thought the sun rotated around the earth. And people today think the world revolves around Washington, Wall Street, or Hollywood. That's where all the focus is. And many people will be surprised when the Lord returns to judge the living and the dead and discover that life has always revolved around the Lord Jesus. It's always at the center. I like the, ad, the admonition from the message paraphrase of Colossians 3.2. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. So admonition number one is remember what you and I do in the church echoes in eternity. All right, that's our first one. And then number two, recognize we are responsible to preach the word no matter how it's received. No matter how it's received. Chapter four, verse one, I charge you in the presence of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete Patience. I think that is just a fresh way of stating the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, preach the good news to all crea creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. We've got a group in Washington State that are serving and working today as 
young men and women who, who are serving as pastors in these campus churches are being encouraged and recharged to get out there and keep spreading the gospel in the most unreached part of the United States of America. Aren't you glad for that? And we've got a part in that. And we are seeking to get the Great Commission to see it fulfilled through us. And that's what the next generation of leadership here on the church is also focused on. But when you think about getting the gospel out, how is that fleshed out in a world that is increasingly uninterested in biblical truth? This past summer, when my grandson uh, Warren was married to the girl of his dreams, and he was totally Google-eyed through the whole thing, he and Madeline began their ceremony with a gospel presentation. I was so proud of him. Their longtime mentor, Pastor Donnie Grigg, who served here and is now in Northwest Arkansas, he stepped out in front of that large crowd of friends and family. And this is what he said. He said, Warren and Madeline asked that before we begin, I share with you what they believe and what is at the core of their lives so that you understand what their marriage is going to be about. And then for the next eight or ten minutes, Donnie went over the basics of the gospel to that group that was gathered. He said, this couple believes all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They believe that Jesus came to die an atoning death and reconcile us to the Lord. They believe Jesus came back from the grave to prove he was the Son of God and enable us to do it. And I thought, how ingenious. What an insight there. How creative. Do you know why that's important? Look at the truth in your outline. Our opportunities to speak up in a public arena are decreasing. And all that simply means is we've got to be creative about how we get the truth out there. How can we get the truth into the ears of people that don't know him? And when more and more restrictions seem to be being put upon us. And in light of that, there are two things I want to give you here that Paul is saying. He's saying, number one, preach the word even at times when you don't feel like it. That's what he meant when he said to, to Timothy, preach it in season and out of season. In other words, when you've got an opportunity and when it's difficult, you just do it anyway. So you speak the gospel. You speak it to family and friends and other people when we have an opportunity. Why? Because it may be our last. And I've shared with you, the Holy Spirit kept dealing with me. And really it was all about obedience. About asking my sister whether or not she knew the Lord. And um, I remember as Kath and I were sitting in the living room. It was really the last time that I was around her that Betty was clear thinking as um, dementia was really starting um, to work inside of her mind. And I asked her point blank, I said, I want, I've got to know, do you know that you know that Jesus is yours, that you've trusted him and you've asked him to save you? Betty, I've got to know, do you know that? And she said, yes, I do. And I want you to know, I, I was immediately relieved. God just be saying, this is what I want you to do. Sometimes family is hard to do that. But you don't want them to die and go by that casket and look at their face and wonder, where are they? Where are they? Will I see them again? Or is this my last? So he says, you, you preach the word even when you don't feel like it. And then number two, he says, preach the word even though it's not well received. You still, you share it. Verse three and four. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers here to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You know, increasing numbers of people don't want to hear there is only one God and he is the creator and he's the judge. But that's the truth. People want to embrace the myth of random evolution. And therefore, we're just animals and we're free to do our own thing. There's no set standard. Many don't want to hear that we all have sinned and we're alienated from God. They like teachers who say, we're all good. You're a good person and you need to build up your self-esteem. You don't need to talk yourself down. Many don't want sound doctrine that their sins are forgiven only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people that would rather hear that there are many ways to heaven. And Jesus is just one among many. That's what they want to hear. More and more don't want to hear life is sacred. Marriage is a holy covenant between a man and a woman. And that the Bible is God's word. But that's our message. Why? Because that's what this says. That's what the Bible says. And so we all say the same thing. Today, people want to hear about tolerance. They want to hear about diversity. And they want to be told there is freedom from guilt. And yet in all of this, we are to preach the word to as many as we can and as often as we can. And here's the reason why. Look at the truth in your outline. There is power in the preached word. There is power, guys, right there. Over the years, I've had people say, come up to me after and say, Brother John, I was struggling with a problem. And I came to church and I couldn't believe you preached on the very thing that was troubling me. And God was here today. He spoke directly to me. He spoke to me through you. Now, here's the thing about that. I would go back after I got through that morning. I would go back and I would look over my message. I did not say one thing about their problem. And I'm like, what is that about? And so, but the thing is, God took one verse of scripture or one phrase, and by the Holy Spirit, he used it to speak to them in their heart. That's why Paul says, preach the word. Why? Because God will take, make the application himself. God will apply it. You just preach it. Because why? The, the word is alive. And it is sharp. And it will penetrate the heart. Now on the screen is a picture that was sent to me from a former church member. God, God put them on my heart. Um, I was about, about a month ago, I guess. And uh, they moved from here. Uh, they were very active in, in the communities here uh, in the Lufkin um, area. And just out of the blue, they were on my heart. And it was just really heavy. And I thought, I just got to reach out to them. I just want to see how they're doing um, how things are going. And so I texted them and just, you know, shared my heart and just love you guys and thinking about you. And I hope things are going well. So their immediate response, uh, this, is, this is from the wife. She texted me back. This is what she said. God's timing, Brother John, exclamation point. She said, I miss our HHBC family more than words can say. And as you can see in the picture And I don't know if you can tell. Those are life point outlines. All right, this is what she said. She said, I spent last night reorganizing and categorizing 18 years of life point outlines. She said, which remain my favorite study tool. 
Now, what is that saying? It's not as much about me. It is the power of the word. That the, this is what I go back to. That's why you preach the word. You don't preach your ideas. You preach the word. When we hold up the word, it changes people's lives. Which brings me to the last one. You recharge your zeal to finish your race because, number three, because of the reward for preaching the word. There is a reward. Verse six and eight. For I am already poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now the prize awaits me. So what Paul is saying is he has this sense that death is near. But he said, I can look back over the last 35 plus years of ministry. And he said, even though I'm not perfect, I can feel good about what's done. He said, because what I've done is I have finished well. I have stayed the course. And it's not about perfection. It is about faithfulness. Did you hear that? It is not about perfection. It is about faithfulness to your call. And the truth in your outline, there are heavenly rewards for faithfulness, but there's also earthly rewards. Mark 10, 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this life and in the age to come. Now, I hope by God's grace to receive a reward in heaven someday. But I want to tell you something. My father has been good to me and my family through you. My first year on the hill (laughs) was challenging. No one visited. No one joined. Twelve solid months. But this church stood by this young, untried, unproven pastor, and they stood behind me, and we labored together. I have gone through some challenging deacons meetings in those early years because God put so much change in my heart that I felt like needed to happen. But I want to tell you this. I never went to a deacon's meeting ever fearing that my job was in jeopardy. I never went a year without a raise. I never had to stand before the church and appeal for funds to pay our utilities. I never went home to a wife and to kids who resented me being in ministry. Catherine and I left friends and family in Arkansas to come to Texas. But God has rewarded us with tons of friends for which we will always be grateful. I give thanks to God today for planting me on the hill. I thank God today for a mom and dad who encouraged me to follow God's call on my life, even though they had dreamed that I would be a dentist just like I did. And I don't know, I guess that I'd do all their dental work in in their old age. But mom and dad, I remember dad standing at the sink that morning when I came in and told him that God had called me to preach and I was changing my major from uh, pre-dental to uh, getting a a BA in speech and English. And I remember dad just standing at the sink and he was just kind of leaning over 
And he went, mm. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, okay. So, uh, but that was, that was hard for dad. Um, I'm sure he and mom did not know what the future held, just like me. But mom and dad never discouraged me from doing what God was calling me to do. And I will always be thankful to them for that. I'm grateful for the elders and the deacons and the staff here on this hill that have held up my hands to lift up Christ for the last 50 years. I can never say thank you enough. To Harmony Hill members, for all of you, for supporting this ministry and showing this town what God can do in a church. For them to see the growth that has taken place. How by your faithfulness, we have changed the scenery, the landscape on these acres that God supernaturally gave to us. And that's because of your faithfulness. And it's not over. I look forward to seeing what the Lord's going to do through Pastor Todd. But I want to thank you for, Kat, for I thank Catherine and Kristen and Aaron and Joel and Mia and my grandkids for standing by me and supporting me all these years. God could have never given me a better wife than Catherine Smith Green. So Todd, one more time. Would you come up here? Will somebody bring uh, what I've got for him this morning? Todd's kind of, okay, here it comes. I know that um, you um, use the English Standard Version, as do I, and uh, you like a smaller size, and this is as small as I could get with what I wanted to give you, okay? Um, I hope it'll be something that you feel like that, that you can use, but that's totally your call in, in the pulpit. It is a pulpit Bible that I hope that you will find um, useful uh, for you in this, in this ministry. And it'll be something that will remind you um, in the years and the decades to come um, of a pastor who thought very much of you. I looked up to you and was grateful for the anointing of God that I see on you and that God would bring you here. Uh, even when I didn't know you were going to follow me, I was always grateful that by God's grace we found you and got you here. Uh, And inside, I put, presented to Todd M. Cor, Preach the Word, by John W. Green, pastor, fellow elder, and friend, February 19th, 2023. Preach the Word, my brother. Preach the Word. Third.
I'd like to call the elders, the deacons, and any staff that are here in this service uh, to come at this time. Um, those of you um, as, as members here, I know we can't all get at the front, uh, but if you would like to stand during this special time of prayer, I'd like to lead us in a prayer of secession um, and thank God for Todd and to pray over him. So guys, if y'all will all gather around and then please stand together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for providing such a gifted man to run the next leg of this race. And I ask you, Lord, that you'll give him grace and stamina. You'll help him give his best and to never be disqualified. Meet with him, Lord, in the quiet moments in his office when he studies and nobody sees and nobody applauds. Protect him in the secret place of the heart where Satan's going to tempt him and no one else knows what's going on. And I pray that you will help Todd keep balance between church and home. And may his family always receive priority. Because if he loses his family, he'll lose his right to lead. Father, be with his wife, Jennifer, his girl, Zoe and McKellar. Help them love you and your church, Father, even though they're going to live in a glass house. And I pray, Father, that Todd will continue to preach an anointed word. And I ask you in Jesus' name, Father, you will bless the word and that there will be a bountiful harvest here on the hill and for the days and the years to come. And we thank you and we ask you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.